1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
3: Are you ready for this? Week 13 in the NFL and... Wait for it, but you don't have to wait long. Three weeks until Christmas. Three weeks from tonight... Christmas night, and there will be NFL, though, a limited Christmas day and night schedule on December 25th. I kept saying it over and over to my kiddos on Sunday morning, my fourth and fifth graders. They were stunned, too. Of course, at that age, you don't really have much of a concept of time, (laughs) but they were much more excited than I am, Uh, not because I don't love Christmas, but just because there's so much to do. At least I have a tree. The tree is in the stand, though right now it's in my foyer and not decorated. (laughs) But the branches are settling and it smells amazing. So my Christmas tree was keeping me company while I was taking my football notes most of the day and the evening on Sunday. So we're going to have to dive in. And there's more than just NFL for this edition of the show, though, of course, the NFL will drive the bus for the most part. We've also got the final, the last word, the no turning back, this is how it goes, final college football playoff rankings, and the matchups based on championship weekend. There were some surprises on the field, but only one team that jumps from outside the top four into that playoff. So we'll get to that, though, admittedly. We'll do a little more with that as we head through the rest of this week. And also, sadly, the end of the U.S. men's national team run at the World Cup. That goes back now, gosh, almost 48 hours. Not quite, but almost 48 hours to Saturday morning. We'll talk about that a little bit, too, though, again, more as we head through the week and have time to process because you know the NFL is a big bad. And I know you guys are waiting and you're ready for our Sunday night show in which we cover every single game at least once. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You can find me on Twitter, A Law Radio. Lots of NFL thoughts, deep thoughts, such deep thoughts like this one the Jesse Bates fake injury with two laughing so hard I'm crying emojis. Those are the deep thoughts. I think Giants coach Brian Dable may spontaneously combust on the sidelines. Those types of deep thoughts. <laughs> I tweet during NFL games on Sunday so I can remember some of my thoughts that I don't want to write down on my notes or that I just think are in that moment. Emotions that I won't be able to conjure up later. And so on Twitter or on our Facebook page, I was posting about Christmas trees on Facebook. uh, You can find us and connect with us. We also have a YouTube channel and we're always glad to hear from you. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Would you believe we've got one team One team in the NFC and one team in the AFC who've been officially eliminated from playoff contention. There was a chance that the Minnesota Vikings could clinch the NFC North title on this Sunday with a win and a Lions loss. But the Lions don't want to lose these days, which I think is... Such a cool turn of events. So we're going to get to all of the standings and the implications. But yes, two teams finally mathematically eliminated as we hit week 13. Believe it or not, that does not include the Indianapolis Colts. They'll wait until you hear what their interim head coach had to say about taking over and about what he's seen from the team since he became the number one guy. The dude Points off turnovers, really the name of this game between the Colts and the Cowboys at AT AT&T Stadium. Cowboys trying to keep pace as best they can with the Philadelphia Eagles and the NFC Beast and also trying to take advantage of the fact that two of the division teams tied. Tied on Sunday. You know, one of the reasons why the NFL is so much more popular in the United States than soccer. The other football is because of ties. If we have too many ties in the NFL, people like me grumble. I hate ties in professional sports. I think it's ridiculous, especially in the NFL. And yet that's what we got in the NFC beast. So I may actually just call it the East the rest of the show and not the beast because it annoys me. But for the Cowboys, an opportunity to pick up some ground on the giants and the commanders. So again, points off turnovers between the Colts and the Cowboys in the first half. There's an interception by Dak Prescott that leads to a Colts field goal. But then there's a Matt Ryan interception. That would become a theme and a short field And Dak is able to turn the tables. The Cowboys able to turn the tables. And he finds Michael Gallup for a touchdown. This is a good back and forth in the first half. If not for that late TD by the Cowboys, this one is a one-point game at the break. And I know that there are many Matt Ryan detractors out there. He certainly doesn't seem to be the right fit for the Colts this year, though it's not just him. On his way out, Frank Reich told us that the offensive line, it's playing extremely poorly. And Matt Ryan, who's not mobile, is under siege a lot. And you could see it again in this game. Three official sacks, seven more hits. But a lot of times he was either throwing under duress or throwing quickly. And so a poor offensive line is not conducive to an immobile quarterback or a quarterback who doesn't run a ton. He he looks like a baby giraffe when he runs. But he does give the Colts the best chance to win. You just have to take the good and take the bad with Matt Ryan. And there was good. To begin the second half eight minutes 90 yards a third quarter drive that helped the Colts to settle in and make this tight again
2: shotgun snap to Ryan back to pass looks left throws left for the end zone oh, caught, touchdown Alec Pierce what a catch by the rookie Matt Ryan put it up there and Pierce brings it down against Kelvin Joseph for six to go in the third quarter. It's now 21-19, Cowboys, and the Colts have a chance to tie it with two.
3: They do not get the two-point conversion, but the Colts are within 21-19. At that point, the Colts scoring was done. Crazy enough, as promising as the third quarter began for the Indianapolis Colts, When the Dallas defense smelled blood in the water, a little bit like sharks with chum, oh my gosh, this turned into an onslaught. A really stunning finish in Dallas. A fourth quarter barrage of 33 points, all of them for the Cowboys
2: here's the snap Dak looking right throws right side of the end zone Gallup goes high did he make the catch he did touchdown Cowboys Michael Gallup beating Isaiah Rogers for the three yard touchdown catch Ryan under center now stands up puts his hands on either side of his helmet squats back down hands under center takes the snap he's back on a play fake pressure coming they dump it on the screen to the tight end mo alley cox along the right numbers to the 30 lost the football picked up by the cowboys racing back down the near sideline malik hooker into the end zone touchdown dallas ryan in the gun lifts his left leg has the shotgun snap back to pass looking right has time floats it for the right sideline that one is intercepted it's picked off by the cowboys and it's to Here's the snap. Toss play to Pollard. Running left. Blockers in front. Outside the numbers. 25. Down to the 20. 15 to the 10. Cuts right at the 5. Dancing into the end zone. Touchdown, Cowboys. Tony Pollard may have just put this one away. A 30-yard touchdown run. And Dallas leads 40-19. to 19.
3: That's Ryan Radke on Westwood 1. He was definitely busy. 33-point fourth quarter. Only the third time in NFL history a team has ever scored at least that many points in the fourth quarter. After Gallup's second touchdown, the next 26 Cowboys points all come off Colts' turnovers. And that's what I mean about it being stunning. It happens so fast. We know that the Dallas defense is a big play D. But four consecutive possessions with takeaways from Indiana, uh, Indianapolis led to four straight Dallas touchdowns. I think the most emotional one, the Malik Hooker fumble return for a score because he's a former Colt, and he talked about how much this meant to him, how much this meant to the Dallas defense. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Five takeaways. Five of them. I don't want to say it's impossible to win when you turn the ball over that much. But it was so stunning and so quick that the Colts didn't really know what hit them. They looked like deer in the headlights. And that's not something that you would expect from a veteran quarterback. Mistakes that compound the mistakes. Mistakes. And make it so much worse but yeah it went from bad to worse very quickly so as much as the cowboys had the lead even with their offense this one belongs to the d you
4: see in the fourth quarter any one of us can make a play so that's how dangerous our defense is each one of us we do our job we believe we're, hit, we're all could do it we believe every week we go in uh, you know we we're dominant enough to be able to get teams pat i mean under 14 points you know as far
2: as up to score so we felt like once we get there, we just had to, you know, capitalize on it. We feel like that's what we've been lacking throughout this year. And today, you know, we, when we got up them two scores, or whatever, we just pretty much built. Off.
4: We started creating turnovers, sack, fumbles, and everything. And that's how we want to be every week. You know, that was just the emphasis for us this week.
2: Explosive. I mean, I, I think really, you know, the defense set the set the tone. Obviously, with the takeaways in the in the run game, and you know, the backs. Um, just you know, like anything, it starts up front. And, and, I, and I think our Our perimeter players just continue to make plays throughout the game. We were able to break it open there in the fourth quarter.
3: So defense, defense, defense. Defense wins championships a lot of the time. But I'm also really impressed with what I've seen from the running back tandem of the Cowboys since Ezekiel Elliott returned. Now, Tony Pollard was doing Yeoman's work before that when Zeke was out. But the two of them together are a load Dallas with another 220 rushing yards. Tony Pollard with two more scores, which makes the work for Dak a lot simpler, a lot more balanced. And it obviously means that opponents have a hard time figuring out who to stop first or where to focus that defensive game plan.
2: Honestly, they, they played a great game all game long, giving us opportunities when we when we went three and out at times. I um, throw an interception, they hold them to a field goal. Yeah, they they, they played a hell of a game. Um, and just uh, as you said, the turnovers and we're able to build off of those in the in the, in the fourth quarter right there and take over the game. And that's kind of the recipe um, for us for us. Honestly, when, when we were able to get up a couple of scores, as I as I've said before, allow that D line to hunt uh, and they'll just create turnovers from that, and uh, you'll see a lot of points. And um, it, it was a fun night, fun fourth quarter.
3: Dak Prescott, all about the defense with the, the way that they provide this cushion. And those, that's what the best defenses do. We'll talk about it with the San Francisco 49ers coming up. Meanwhile, Jeff Saturday trying to find the silver lining to yet another brutal loss.
0: are not changing coaches in the middle of a season if it's not bad. So, no, oh, I, I knew what I was gosh. signing up for. Again, effort. Like I told those guys in there, man, the effort, the energy, the enthusiasm these guys are playing with. And they are battling. I love that. Like, you talk about a gut check. You talk about we don't quit. Uh, I I appreciate those things.
3: You're not changing coaches in the middle of the season if it's not really bad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) At least he's not pulling punches. However, his future employment is on the line, right? Who knows if his relationship with Jim Ursay will give him a bit of a cushion or maybe earn him some more time more than just the eight games since he took over but there are still some glaring issues for the Indianapolis Colts namely the takeaways or in their case the giveaways and Matt Ryan with four of those tonight
2: it was tough uh, there at the end you know we, we kept it we, we did we kept it tight knowing coming in you know playing a good football team a team that's been playing well uh, and gave ourselves a chance there in the fourth quarter but, you know, when you turn the football over like like we did in the fourth, uh, it makes it extremely difficult to overcome. Credit to them for capitalizing on the opportunities. But, um, yeah, that, that game turned quickly.
3: It definitely did that. 33 fourth quarter points, 26 of them. In fact, the last 26 points of the game, all off turnovers. Coming up, we'll head to Dallas and welcome old friend Calvin Watkins, longtime insider for the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News. you can find me on Twitter a law radio I know a lot of people excited about the Cowboys nine and three now six and one at home. So this is a team that has a home field advantage and they've got three consecutive wins to stay within striking distance of the Philadelphia Eagles Week 13 of the NFL season say it a few times three weeks to Christmas.
1: LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
0: today.
3: Baby, it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
0: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
2: two receivers to the right, Russ takes the shotgun snap, handoff Davis again, up the middle across the 20, cuts left 15, down to the 10, down to the 5, into the end zone, touchdown Cowboys! Give one to Malik Davis, the rookie out of Florida, and the Cowboys have put up 53, they lead 53-19. We're not satisfied by, by scoring 50. This team's is resilient, we're not satisfied, we're going to continue to to work, we're going to continue to try to get better. Um, that's the type of men that we have on all on all sides of the ball, um, and, and we're hungry. Off the field, on the money, and after hours,
0: it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence.
3: Dad De- Prescott says it multiple times: we're not satisfied. We're hungry. Well, Zeke was definitely eating out of the Salvation Army kettle. <laughs> One of those late game celebrations when it's a big. Huge exclamation point. Ryan Radke on Westwood one as there were five takeaways by the Dallas defense. Four of them coming in the second half and a massive onslaught. 33.4th quarter. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're pleased to welcome longtime Cowboys insider Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News. Calvin, what was your perspective on that fourth quarter when it all went completely off the rails for Indianapolis?
4: I was like, Jeff Saturday needs to go back to uh, television because this, this, <laughs> this is a disaster. I mean, they were getting turnovers. I mean, the third-string running back is getting a touchdown. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. 33 points the most ever in franchise history in the fourth quarter. It was wild.
3: I've never seen that before. It's crazy. It definitely happened very quickly, too. And they were able to score after every single one of those takeaways, which is huge. When someone asks you to describe the Dallas defense or tell them why the Dallas defense is so good, what do you say, Calvin?
4: I would say they're a very nasty defense because they have a lot of pass rushers um, that get after the ball. Uh, they have a defensive coordinator that's not afraid to blitz everybody <laughs> to get after the quarterback. And they got some guys who can make plays on the ball in the secondary, and that's hard to do. Uh, so they have a, a lot of great uh, players there. They, they're going to have some issues in the secondary because Anthony Brown apparently tore his Achilles. He's one of the starting corners. Ah. So they're going to have some issues there. But outside of that, they're a fantastic defense.
3: I think one of my favorite things about the defense, too, is that it's not just one or two guys. Now, there may be a couple of stars that people know outside of Dallas, but they've got multiple guys with five-plus sacks. They get after the quarterback Mm -hmm. from a bunch of different angles. And as you point out, the secondary, even if it does uh, lose a piece, still has guys who can make plays, even if you don't know their names, even if they're not the stars.
4: Oh yeah, DeRon Bland, you know, was this rookie that they fell in love with. They drafted him on the third day of the draft, and they wasn't sure, you know, if he could have an impact. But he had had an impact from day one of, of training camp. And they lost Jordan Lewis early in the season with a foot injury, and they were confident to say, DeRon Bland, you're a rookie, Fresno State. We're gonna put you behind in the football game and we expect you to make some plays, and he made two great plays tonight, two picks, uh, and, and they've loved him ever since, since the start of training
3: camp. Calvin, this is a total opinion question, but we know that Dan Quinn was in hot pursuit, uh, and there were teams that wanted him last year before Jerry Jones made it worth his while to stay in Dallas. Do you anticipate that being the case again with the next NFL head coaching cycle?
4: Oh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Dan Quinn, uh, he can
3: be selective, because he coached in Atlanta,
4: he coached the team for the Super Bowl. Yeah, they they, they coughed it up to the, the Patriots. We all understand that. And he's a real, you know, personable guy. He's a smart guy. So once again, he's going to have his this choice of, of of teams to pick from. And I don't know how much more money <laughs> Joe can give this man to stay. But but last year it was easy to do that. This is going to be a lot harder and there's going to be a lot of jobs opening up
3: for Dan Quinn and he's going to be selective and he's going he's going to get a job. And he's going to take it. Mm. It is interesting though that his best his best successes, I would say the best stops on his resume have been when he's a defensive coordinator. So in Seattle as well as in Dallas now. Atlanta had a little bit of success, but really his defense was the major issue the entire time he was that coach. Yeah, it, it's interesting because
4: you know, sometimes and I think he's learned this. Sometimes you got to be the CEO, and you can't be the guy that's calling the defensive signals and all this kind of stuff. And if he gets a second job, which I believe he will, I would think he would say, I'm going to be the CEO. I'm not going to call the defensive plays like I did in Atlanta in the early wow. part of that tenure. And I'm just going to step back, kind of like Mike McCarthy. Because, you know, Mike McCarthy was a play caller as a head coach for a long time in Green Bay, and then toward the back end of that tenure, he said, you know what, i got to get out of it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> right. And then, then he got back into it a little bit, but I think you seeing Mike McCarthy here in Dallas not calling the plays and just be a game manager is a lot easier to handle. So I, I, I think that will be the next step for Dan Quinn. That If he gets a job, wherever it may be, Arizona, who knows, you know, um that
3: he'll say
4: i'm just managing the game.
3: Calvin Watkins is with us from Dallas or AT&T Stadium where Sunday night football turned into uh, it turned into a lopsided victory by the Cowboys with 33 points in the fourth quarter. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. I was just saying here on the show Calvin that i really like the Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, one-two punch, the balance the way that they have been since Zeke got healthy. W- what do those two guys have to say about splitting carries and splitting touchdowns and splitting the load?
4: Doc, Prescott said it best about both of those guys. He said they have zero egos. And when you talk to Zeke and you talk to uh, Pollard, those guys are like, look, I want the other guy to do well, you know, because it makes us better as a team. And Tony Pollard, he's had to answer questions about his durability since he got in the NFL out of college because no one thought this man could carry the ball more than 15 times in a game, and he's done it. You know, he carried 21 times about three weeks ago. And so he's answered those questions. He's got a contract year. Zeke's got his money. He's got a busted <laughs> knee, and Zeke's still out there running around. And those guys just they enjoy being around each other. Zeke is encouraging Tony. Tony's encouraging Zeke. It's a really good thing to see because there are no egos in that running back room. Now, today there was an issue because Jerry Jones told us after the game that the reason why Tony Pollard started tonight was because Zeke Elliott had a discipline problem. Apparently, Zeke, now Jerry was, was a little fuzzy on the details, but um, Jerry was like, hey, I think either the phone went off in a meeting or he was tardy for a meeting, one wow. of the two. So, But outside of that, that little hiccup tonight or whatever that was, um, those guys have been great.
3: I don't know that I've ever seen or that I do see a guy in the NFL these days take more advantage of the opportunities when they're presented to them to him than Tony Pollard. You mentioned the lack of ego. I mean, the guy will do whatever the team asks him to do, whenever the team asks him to do it, and he he capitalizes. He's a carpe diem guy, Seize the day and just do it. <laughs> he, he's been so he's been so great in that role for the Cowboys the last couple years.
4: Yeah, you know he had a similar role when he was in college at the University of Memphis. He was, like, the number two guy there. And then the Cowboys drafted him, and they said, well, you could be the number two guy here behind Zeke Elliott. And I remember when he was drafted, Stephen Jones had said, he, he could be our Alvin, uh, Alvin Kamara, a hmm. guy that we can throw out of the backfield, a guy that we can give, you know, we can give Zeke a break, and he can carry the load for maybe a couple of series, especially at the start of the second half. And that's what they've done. And now this season, he's really emerged – as a guy who you could say, hey, you could be running back number one, we can give you the ball 18 times a game, and you, and we'll be okay. And that's the, the best thing about what Tony Pollard has been able to prove to not only the Cowboys, everybody else, because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year, and the Cowboys are going to have to make a, a serious decision about whether or not they want to bring him back or not.
3: All right, Calvin, the million-dollar question. We know Odell Beckham Jr. had his tour late last week with the Bills, the Giants, the Cowboys. What's the latest? The Cowboys are going to host
4: Odell Beckham tomorrow. He's going to get into town at some point in the morning. Uh, he's going to have a steak dinner somewhere. <laughs> he might even yeah, he might—he's getting a lot of steak. He got some steak in New York. In, Bo- in New York, it, it, with the Giants and the Bills, and uh, the Cowboys are planning to give him a steak dinner up here to show him what, uh, what, what, what the meat is like in Texas. Uh, he might go to the Mavericks game tomorrow. The Mavericks play the Phoenix Suns. And Dak Prescott said, hey, if, that, if, um, if Odell wants to go, I'll get him a sweet. But he also knows Odell likes to sit courtside, but Dak's uh-huh. more of a sweet guy. So Dak said hey, we'll have to work something out. But Odell's coming here. Now, the big question for the Cowboys is, do they want Odell Beckham to work out? And Jerry Jones and I think others in the organization would love for that to happen, but I don't think it will happen. So the, the, the problem is, do you want to sign this guy without him working out? Mm-hmm. And yes, you're going to take the physical and the doctor's going to you know look at that joint and all those kinds of things, but do you want to sign him without seeing him move around on the football field? And Jerry Jones said, I am okay being uncomfortable
3: in signing this."
4: But I think the, the big thing is he has to pass the physical and the money has to make sense.
3: Well, that's what I was going to ask you next, Calvin. Mm-hmm. What can the Cowboys offer him in terms of money that's commensurate with, say, the Bills and the Giants?
4: Well, the Cowboys have about $6.5 million uh, available under the cap. So this year would be, say, we'll give you $3 million and call it a day. But Odell Beckham wants a multi-year deal. He does. So the, the issue is the second year. Like How much do you pay Odell Beckham in year two? And so that's where the money gets a little fuzzy. The Cowboys are going to be cap-strapped next year as well because they have this guy, and Dak Prescott is going to take a lot of the cap space as well next year. And as well, the left tackle Tyron Smith. So they're going to have some serious decisions to make on their cap. So how much do you want to pay Odell Beckham in year two? Now, remember, they cut excuse me, they traded Amari Cooper this past year because he was going to make $20 million in their cap. So if you don't want to pay Amari Cooper $20 million, do you want to pay Odell Beckham $20 million mm. in 2023? And, I, and the answer is no. So they're going to have to come to some sort of agreement to say, we'll give you $3 million this year. Maybe next year we we'll give you $12 million. And with incentives, maybe you can get to $20 million. You know, so we'll see what happens. But, I mean, the Cowboys are going to have egg on their face if they can't find Odell Beckham because of all the teams that have talked
3: about him, the Cowboys have been at the front of the list right. lobbying for Odell Beckham. Not to mention the courting of Jerry Jones, who's been uh, reaching out to him uh, on the sly, even so his quarterback didn't know. All right, Calvin, ever since I found out we were going to have you on the show, I was thinking, ooh, I can't wait to ask him his opinion to what's happening in the NFC. I call it the NFC beast now because it's the best division in football. The Eagles, the Cowboys at the top, and a putrid tie between the Giants and the Commanders (laughs) today. However, this is one hell of a division. Where did this come from?
4: I know. It, it is weird. Remember, we all thought the uh, NFC West was going to be like the best division of football. Or was it <laughs> the NFC West or the NFC West? I can't remember. But the, the NFC East is, is, is crazy because I thought Washington, I'm surprised Ron Rivera is still around, but he's doing a hell of a job down there in D.C. And the Eagles, a lot of people were a little suspect on the Eagles, but they had a great draft. They made a great trade. They got A.J. Brown from Tennessee, and their quarterback is playing out of his mind. And the Giants are also playing out of their mind. I think early in the season, when Brian Dayball, you know, went for on fourth down in, that, in the season opener, and they went and they've been on a roll, and then they lost to the to the Cowboys early in the season, but that hasn't stopped them. So the division has been kind of crazy. Dallas went four and one without Dak Prescott, unbelievable. <laughs> it's the best division of football. I watched the end of that Giants and Commanders game today, and I was like, oh my goodness! But that game to me said the Giants and Washington are out of it. You know they they're on the back end now of the playoff picture So that tie kind of hurt both of those teams. And I don't know if the Cowboys can catch the Eagles right now, but I, I definitely see maybe three teams making the playoffs from the division. Ooh,
3: uh, you mentioned the Cowboys going four and one without Dak. So just a follow up there. Do you think Cooper will stay, Cooper Rush will stay with Dallas?
4: Uh, I think Cooper's going to be looking for a big paycheck from somebody. Right. Like, you know these teams are so desperate for quarterbacks, and, and they saw that 4-1 and stretch with Cooper Rush, and, that, and someone's going to say, hey, I, I think he can help us, and they'll sign him. Um, now, I don't know how much money he'll get, but uh, the Cowboys do like Will Greer, who's their number three quarterback, and he came out of Florida. And, I, and at some point during training camp, Will Greer was ahead of Cooper Rush on the depth chart, and then oh. Will Greer hurt his groin, and, that, and he was out. So that gave Cooper Rush a chance to kind of surpass Will Greer on the depth chart and win the number two job. So if the Cowboys lose Cooper Rush, I think – They're okay with that because they really like Will Greer, who's their number three guy right now.
3: Gotcha. Great information from Cowboys insider Calvin Watkins of the Dallas Morning News. And uh, we got the OBJ. We got the uh, Cooper Rush story. We also get the insight on that running back room with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott after a big victory by Dallas. You can find him on Twitter at Calvin Watkins. It's always great to catch up with you. Thank you so much for a couple of minutes.
4: I appreciate you. You take it easy
3: guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, good stuff there with Calvin fresh off the the field, the press box uh, at AT AT&T Stadium, giving us the latest with these Cowboys who have won three straight and do have an actual home field advantage. I could have kept talking to him, but we were running long. I love to hear people talk about that atmosphere at AT AT&T. It is on my list for the 23 season. I've got a friend who just moved to Dallas, and she and I are already planning as soon as the schedule comes out. I've never been one of those people who cares about the NFL schedule when it comes out because I can barely keep track of it from week to week, for heaven's sakes. But, oh, yeah, we're going through and we're circling games, (laughs) possibilities. So for the first time since I got to CBS Sports Radio, the show will hit the road in Dallas next season. I know, I know. You can find me on Twitter, A Radio. Also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
0: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
4: First and 10, Tua out of the shotgun. Puts Tyreek in motion. Flash and fake over the middle. He's, He's got a wide open. Sherfield! At the 50, at the
0: 40, down the field he goes! At the 20, the 15, the 10, touchdown Miami! 75 yards! Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football
2: with Amy Lawrence.
3: This was the game you all picked as the after hours game of the week. And it wasn't close, ultimately, think It was better than 43 percent, so maybe about 45 percent or so, choosing Dolphins at Niners as the game of the week in the NFL. And there were a lot to choose from because we had we do have uh multiple games, I think it was four, oh, seven games, maybe seven of the games, pitting teams with winning records, and so this. Not only had that element to it with teams that are either in first place or attempting to get into first place, but also the Niners with so many of their former coaches slash athletes now with Miami. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Love to hear from you on Twitter, A Law Radio, or on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, where for some reason, I don't know how the Facebook formulas work. I don't know why this happens, but our post and, well, the interview with Troy Rank that we did last week about uh, Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos and how they hit rock bottom. So I think it was Wednesday night into Thursday morning has now almost 350 comments on it. And I, don't, I don't know why that's happening. 500 likes and 350 comments, and I'm not sure that all of those people have actually listened to the conversation. But it Troy did not pull any punches. Uh, he's our Denver Broncos insider. And yeah, somehow the news feed picked up our interview and the the formula that puts it into the mainstream... let this interview go viral, which very rarely happens. But yeah, people are still debating considering uh, another loss for the Broncos on Sunday. So we'll get to that. But, Back to Dolphins and Niners. And as you hear with Jimmy Safalo on Dolphins Radio, it takes all of one snap for Tua to find Trent Shurfield for a 75-yard touchdown. And 65 of those yards came after the catch. It was 7 nothing before anybody could settle in with their snacks. Now, San Francisco is able to answer with a field goal and touchdown drives. Back to back, but the big news is that there was a change at quarterback for the NFC West leaders.
1: He wore number 14 in the preseason. Now he's number 13, and he was number 262 in the last pick of the draft. He's very relevant now. Brock Purdy takes over for the injured Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. True eyes under center. Use check ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Purdy gets down to uh, a knee in the huddle. Now he comes up and breaks it. 49ers trying to get in the end zone and take the lead. Kyle Juszczyk will line up as a right wing, number three, with uh, Debo next to him and uh, Yuke, He's going to throw out right. Wide
0: open, Kyle Juszczyk.
3: Touchdown! San Francisco, Mr. Relevant. And the reason that Greg Papa says that is because he was actually Mr. Irrelevant. Niners took a flyer on Brock Purdy. The rookie was selected with the very last pick in the 2022 spring draft. But because of the injury to Trey Lance that gave the starting job the rest of the season to Jimmy Garoppolo, who suffered a season-ending foot injury on Sunday, it is now Brock Purdy's team. Wow. You want to talk about a shocking turn of events. We're going to let you hear from Kyle Shanahan coming up. But this one stings. It sucks for Jimmy. And I resist the idea that he's injury prone in this particular case. How is it Jimmy's fault that he got sacked and a guy rolled up on him and his foot twisted awkwardly underneath a defender? That's not on Jimmy. That doesn't make him injury prone. That means he has bones. Like every human, and they break. And if you saw the injury, the video, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. A foot isn't supposed to turn that way. I think initially they said it was ankle, they were hoping that it was ankle. He was able to hobble off the field, but then they put him on a cart to take him to the locker room. So, yeah, this stinks. Garoppolo had finally gotten the chance to start again without having to look over his shoulder. The Niners had climbed into first place in the NFC West, and now this. But that is the NFL, and Brock Purdy grabs the opportunity and comes in the game with a pair of touchdown passes before the half. Kyle Juszczyk gives them the lead with his three-yard grab, and then seconds left... Before half, they tack on a few more points. Seven seconds to go. Don't get sacked here. Kittle
1: goes in motion. Levers with Ayuk. Jennings and Debo are right. Here's Purdy out of the gun. Looking for
0: McCaffrey on the goal line. Touchdown! San Francisco! Light the fuse. CMC has detonated.
3: Detonated. That was quick, light the fuse, boom! <laughs> but that is Christian McCaffrey. Once again, Niners Radio. And McCaffrey actually has indicated, well, I'm going to have to be doing this every time now because we've got a rookie quarterback and I want to help him out.
0: Every time a play is called, I assume I'm getting the ball. Um, but, you know, obviously we got the look that we wanted and he threw it in there in a perfect time too, uh, which was a great throw and scored.
3: After hours here on CBS Sports Radio, Tua govaloa struggled for the first time since he returned as the quarterback for the Dolphins. Couple interceptions leading to a couple field goals and a third quarter shutout. Now he did connect with Ty Hill. Uh, Hill was mostly quiet in this game until a, a fourth quarter drive in which he's just streaking toward the post and to a bombs a deep shot down the middle, and Ty's able to haul it in for 45 yards. But really the exclamation point, Nick Bosa sacks to a forces a fumble. Dre Greenlaw is able to scoop it up for the touchdown. And similar to what we saw with the Colts on Sunday night football, the Dolphins really hurt themselves because of four turnovers. And the Niners, even without their starting quarterback, are able to do enough to stay in front. Um, McCaffrey with 146 total yards and a score. But the big story coming out of this game is that Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the season with a broken foot. The report is that he's scheduled to have surgery on Monday. You'll hear from Kyle Shanahan following the break. Because it definitely changes their perspective. Not their expectations, maybe, because they're 8-4 and four and on top of the NFC West. And they expect to make the playoffs. That defense and their weapons, but it's different with a rookie QB. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.